0: Welcome to Mars Messina Presents. I am Mars and today is Saturday, May 6th, 2023. For episode 107, we will explore why we sometimes or often experience feelings of worthlessness. And that feeling or that feeling state that there's that nothing we do has any meaning or matters to anyone else but ourselves, if even that. We really need to go no further than exploring the so-called thankless job. And many of us, many of us feel like we have that, or we do that um, on a daily basis. And it really does not take deep research to see that thankless jobs are also among the most needed jobs in society. So here are, according to research, the top 10 most depressing jobs, okay? These 10 fields, which are taken out of 21 major job categories, feature full-time workers who are most likely to report an episode of major depression within a given year. Um, That depression being attached to what they do uh, for a living. The number one job or depressing job is uh, nursing home workers, also child care workers. Those are tied for number one. So personal care providers top the list with nearly 11% of people in this field reporting about of major depression. Now in comparison, the rate is 13% in the unemployed, 7% in the general population. This category has 11%. And when I mean major depression, if you have clinical depression sometimes they will diagnose you with severe depression or mild depression and mild depression isn't really mild it's just mild compared to the severe depression this is causing severe depression these jobs or they're being experienced in these jobs nursing and childcare are stressful in many cases uh these Folks are working with people who are chronically ill and who are debilitated. They're dying and this can be depressing because you see for these people there's no way out. And you know their diagnoses and it's really scary. You know, and with childcare workers, um, these workers often don't get a lot of positive reinforcement and they are often berated. So, um, you know, trying to take care of a little kid as anyone who has ever tried, you have this tiny little body with this big gigantic spirit and they want to do what they want to do. And at the same time, they're completely dependent on you. And so other adults around you, their parents or your boss, it's just never good enough what you're doing. Um... The second most depressing job is food service staff. Wait staff often get low pay and can have exhausting jobs with numerous people telling them what to do each day. While 10% 10 of workers in general reported an episode of major depression in the past year, 10%-ish, Almost 15% of women in the food service field report major depression. When it comes to food, people are crazy. They can be rude, and um, and while people around you are being rude and trying to get your attention, and you have you have to multitask. Um, you know, as a, a waiter or somebody who's doling out food there's a lot of physical exertion and when these workers are depressed it is hard for them to have energy and motivation at a job that requires energy and motivation now <clears throat> that is one job I have I never even tried because I saw how hard it is for waiters or for people who are like standing on a line and you know giving out food um, unless it was a volunteer situation, I would have never. I wouldn't have made it the first day. And when I was working in the film industry, we had something called craft services, and that's the food providers for the crew. And I remember this one time. I didn't have. I didn't even have anything to do with craft services or the food. I was the production manager. I'm sorry. Production managers have something to do with that. I was an assistant director on this one shoot. And assistant directors, you're working with the director and you're working with the actors. And the, I think it was the cinematographer himself came up to me, berating me, pointing at his watch, saying my crew was supposed to eat 15 minutes ago and I had nothing to do with it. And I was afraid to tell him who the production manager was because she was working her butt off and I didn't want her getting yelled at. So I kind of, I said some colorful words to him and let him know that I was the AD and that if he was this professional that he claims to be, that A, don't talk to anybody like that and B, talk to the right person. But yeah, people get crazy when it comes to their food So I really feel for the people who have to work in food industries. The third most depressing job are social workers. They are dealing with abused children and their families on the brink of every imaginable crisis. And then you combine that with the bureaucratic red tape because they have to write reports write more reports and then more reports on top of that. This makes for a really demanding, stressful job that often goes beyond your nine-to-five type of work situation. Social workers work with people who are so needy that um, they tend to sacrifice too much at their job. They tend to sacrifice their own free time. And even when they do have free time, they're thinking about the job. Fourth on the list is healthcare workers. And this includes doctors, nurses, therapists, and other professionals um, who end up giving a lot of themselves, just like the social social workers. Healthcare workers can have... Um, excuse me, long irregular hours and days um, where others, other people's lives are literally, literally in their hands. So can you imagine working a 17 hour shift and let's say most of the day was pretty mundane and then you're getting ready to leave and there's been a big car accident. And so now you can't leave. Now you're gonna be very busy and it was coming toward the end of your shift, and you are tired. Well, guess what? You're not going home. You're working. Okay. And with that fatigue, you have other people's lives in your hands. Healthcare workers can have, um, I think it's roughly, um, this is, pr- I'm sorry, not healthcare workers, but this is, Physicians in particular, roughly three to four hundred physicians die by suicide in the United States every year. Now, in the U.S., suicide deaths are 250 to 400 percent, 250 to 400 percent higher among female physicians when compared to females in other professions. These are doctors And this is on the rise, and I think a lot of it had to do with COVID, but the numbers seem to be keeping up. And there are a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of bureaucratic red tape with being a doctor. It used to be a great job, and now it's getting harder. Number five, artists, entertainers, and writers. These jobs can bring, and they do, irregular paychecks, uncertain hours, and isolation. Creative people may also have higher rates of mood disorders, about 9% reported an episode of major depression in the previous year. Now, with men in this category, this is the job category most likely to be associated with an episode of major depression, nearly 7%. One thing seen a lot in entertainers and artists is bipolar disorder. And knowing this, there could be undiagnosed or untreated mood disorders in people who are artistic. Depression is not uncommon to those who are drawn to work in the arts. And then the lifestyle itself contributes to it. I know this for sure because Here's the thing, like let's say we all had all the money we ever needed and we didn't have to worry about, um, you know, paying mortgages or rent or for utilities or food or anything else. In fact, that we had enough to, you know, go on trips when we wanted or buy nice clothes. What would we do with our time? Most of us would do something creative. We truly are creators by heart. And those with depression, they're looking for reasons to live, reasons to enjoy life. And so they are drawn to the arts, okay? Um, And the way it works, at least in the United States, I think it's a little bit different in Europe. But in the United States, they're very, like they already said, long, um, irregular hours and then when everyone's done, you know, a lot of people are picking up alcohol or drugs to unwind. And you're doing this at like 3 in the morning, and then you're going to bed at 10 in the morning. And, you know, when people are young, they can kind of get away with that. But at a certain point, no one can get away with that. You can't do that anymore. So it can, um, it can be depressing before you get on the high where you're creating and then doing the alcohol and drugs not that every artist does but a lot do and then you come down from that and that can be depressing too i've seen that Um, teachers makes up number six the demand on teachers is constantly growing in fact in chicago we already have a teacher shortage and it's just going to get worse And I will go into an example. But anyway, teachers, oh man, like definitely I can tell you what's going on in Chicago. Everyone thinks they're overpaid. And it is such a ridiculous way of thinking. They have to work after school. They take their work home. They have to. And then over the summer, that's not a summer vacation. They're working over the summer, preparing for the next year. The pressures are constant, and they come from all different audiences. So the kids themselves, the parents of those children, and school administration, and you're trying to meet all of their standards while they all have very different demands um, on you. And uh, this makes it very difficult for teachers to just do their thing and to even remember why they even got into the field in the first place. So just one quick example. This one school I know lost a really incredible, incredible teacher. I've sat in her class. She, she is awesome. And I don't want to give too much away because um, I don't want to get her in trouble or put anything out there. But anyway, she had this class. Um, and again, coming off the pandemic, a lot of younger children, at least, if not older children as well, but a lot of the younger children just didn't know how to socialize because they were taking classes online. And they were in a room alone in their house and they could just see their friends on the screen. And they became kind of desocialized. And now they're back at school and a lot of people don't know how to conduct themselves. So these teachers, and this is general, this happens. So teachers have to, as they're trying to teach their curriculum, they're also trying to teach the children how to conduct themselves in a proper manner in the classroom. Well, this can work for some teachers. You know, over time the children get used to their teacher. They get used to getting bad grades and bad reports that go home. So they start to obey their teacher to some degree. But then you have a problem child. And um, in this particular cl- case, there, there's a kid. And this is the one kid where in a couple years, if you saw his picture in the newspaper that he got into some t- kind of trouble, it wouldn't be surprising. And he was physically assaulting other children and he's like double their size. And so um, the teacher often had to call up security to get this kid out of the classroom. And the kid's mother said, the next time you pull my kid out out of the classroom, I'm going to sue you. And so the result was nothing was done with this kid. He desperately, desperately needs help. And it's not fair to the other kids. In fact, their parents are getting involved, yelling at the teacher. And this very good teacher, she ended up quitting. Because she was, it was like her head was in a vice from the administration, from this troubled child's parents from the parents of the other kids, from the kids themselves. And she was pretty laid back, not an intense person. And she took a lot and even she had to quit. So support your teachers before you have none left. Number seven, administrative support staff. Okay, The people in this field, they suffer from the classic case of high demand and low control. They're on the front lines. They're taking orders from all directions while being at the bottom of the totem pole. Um, even though they might have a consistent 9-to-5 job, the days can be unpredictable. And they can work their butts off and not be acknowledged at all. For the work they've done to make life easier for everyone else, and that's why you, there's a lot of office drama, you know, because these people end up being pitted against each other by management, and they fight with each other, undermine each other, very cutthroat in the office, and no one actually cares. So that can be really tough unless you you're, you luck out and you find yourself with a really good company. Who knows how to treat their staff? Number eight on the list, maintenance and ground workers. Okay. They only work when something goes wrong. And when something goes wrong, people are upset. And these are the conditions that they find themselves in every day. They're working odd hours. They're um, working on the holidays. They're being called in while their daughter is... Having her communion, the um, schedules vary, and they are frequently on night shift. They're paid little for a very tough job cleaning up other people's messes. And as a result, there's a high turnover. So in cases, um, you know, bonding with your coworkers, it's pretty hard. They find themselves often isolated and sometimes the work is dangerous. Number nine on the list are financial advisors and accountants. It's constant stress and not even during tax season or just tax season. Um, Can you imagine handling thousands or millions of dollars for other people's retirements? That is incredible responsibility. While not having any control over the market. And there's guilt involved when their clients are losing money. And they probably have their clients screaming at them with regularity. And number 10 on the list salespeople. I could never be a salesperson. Now there's people out there who have that, that um personality where they can sell ice to an igloo or I'm sorry <laughs> ice to an Eskimo. I am not that person. But they are out there. I but they must all oh, the 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 demands put on those people. I yeah. couldn't take it. Anyway. Um Many salespeople work on commission, so they never really know exactly when their next paycheck is coming or how much is going to be in that. I know a woman who lives her life that way. She's paid twice a year, and I'm like, what? But those paychecks are huge. But they, they I mean, that's like one thing those paychecks have in common: they're common. They're huge, but they vary. Um, these people have to travel for, um, a living, which means they have to spend time away from home. Um, they, they, they don't see their family. They don't get to socialize with friends and those who get anxiety with travel, that makes it really tough. Some people have to drive. They're not even flying and their hips are just really tight and they have low back pain because they're driving you know a thousand miles. So also if they're independent contractors there's not many benefits. So this uncertainty of income, tremendous pressure for results, and long hours can make for a high-stress occupation. And the crowning job that is isn't even on the list but this is a job and it's not even really considered a job motherhood um, can feel like a thankless job and part of the reluctance for spouses and children's to show children to show gratitude to the mother of the home and when i say that the mother could actually be a dude I'm not getting into gender roles here. I'm just talking about um, what we think of as motherhood, the person who stays home and builds the home and is the hearth bearer and the nurturer, okay? So when you have the reluctance of spouses and children to show gratitude, this is stemmed from societal thinking that mothering is just part of who you are and not even worthy of thanks, because the so-called job consists of many small, repetitive, everyday tasks, often accomplished behind the scenes. Family members can be blind to the efforts that are involved. For mothers who work outside the home, guilt. I know my mother had this when she had to go out to work, guilt over having less time for their kids may detract from their belief that parenting parenting efforts are worthy of thanks at all. If anything, um, mothers feel like they're not doing enough. But parents can step in to help children become more aware of what their mothers are doing and what they're going through to help raise them the self-sacrifice that that occurs on a consistent daily basis. Not to make them feel guilty either, but to to let them know that this is a job too um, and a very self-sacrificing job. So we look at this list of 10 of the most depressing jobs and we need them all in society. So... It's just crazy that they're so needed, but these people feel worthless. So let's talk about feelings of worthlessness. Why, whether we have those jobs or not, why do we have feelings of worthlessness? Um, For some of us, we may have experienced a devastating childhood event, or childhood in general, that left, um, left a lasting impact or um, lasting notions of how life works on our lives. Um, Some neglect, abuse, mistreatment as a youngster that all contributes to feelings of worthlessness later in life. Children who are abused or regularly reprimanded or neglected by parents and other family members They feel insignificant as adults because they never learned how to trust. They never learned how to be confident. These early interpersonal traumas have been connected to subsequent emotions of worthlessness. And there are many ways that emotional abuse can affect a person's self-esteem. Some people turn to addiction or other self-destructive behavior. Also, even though we've all been told money isn't everything, um, and this this doesn't even have to be connected to childhood, this is just another reason why people might feel worthless. Even though we're told money isn't everything, when we're in a financial bind, or have gone through job loss. Fear and stress takes over your life. It can undermine your self-worth. It can cause you to believe that you are not only imperfect but useless, and these lead to feelings of hopelessness. Financial stress can have a a negative impact on mental, physical, and emotional health and social well-being, for sure. Another reason you might feel worthless, um, a divorce or um, even a marriage that's irretrievably broken, but you're still in it. But let's talk about the divorce. A divorce has been finalized, okay? And you find yourself contemplating like, should I have done that? What exactly happened? Why was I not enough? Okay, so people start to examine themselves after getting divorced, wondering if they, there was a, a, a major catalyst that led to the divorce, but now you're thinking, should I have done that? Um, was it all my fault? And now you're dealing with your self-worth and the unknown of what life becomes now. So negative effects on your mental health and well-being can have even life-threatening consequences. Okay, when because when you go through a divorce, that's almost like a death, <clears throat> and you don't see the future. And during a divorce, a lot of people, their friends, like they'll they'll lose their friends because they maybe they were more friends with the ex-spouse or maybe these friends don't hang around with single people so you lose your friends and you're just left there alone devastated surrounded with your negative thoughts and nothing else sometimes another feeling or reason for feeling worthless um is if your friends leave you out you know we were kind of just talking about that with the divorce but it doesn't even have to be that sometimes you have a group of friends and you find out that they're doing something and you have not been invited um, and if it's a one-shot deal it might feel bad but if you see a trend um, that can make you feel like your social life is in ruins <clears throat> another reason for feeling worthless, um, is the pressure to achieve. And I used to see this as a kid growing up on the North shore of the suburban North shore, Chicago. Um, every year, (coughs) some kid, excuse me, my voice is going, (coughs) some kid or some kid's mother was jumping in front of a train because they were under such pressure to achieve and to be perfect. And what we neglect to realize is that, just as we're unique individuals, our life journey is also unique. So when you think, oh, I just turned 30, I should have achieved A, B, and C, that's not true. It's not, because you cannot compare yourself to another person's path. They've had a different starting line than you did. They may have had more opportunity than you did. They may have had a more healthy self-esteem than you did. So only work with yourself. And then when those um, feelings do arise, ask, is is this really about me? Because when things go wrong, people start to personalize everything. My mom, she used to tell me, like when it came to work, do not take things personally. Because she did. She would take things personally, and she would actually cry at work sometimes. And her bosses would take her aside and say, don't take it personally. And so she would tell me the same thing. And it takes a while, especially especially if you're a um, sensitive person and a person who takes their job seriously. You do take things personally. Well, don't. Not everything is about us. In fact, most things are not about us as individuals. Excuse me one second. I'm going to get another drink. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Not everything's about you. And don't take that personally either is a good thing. Don't take everything to heart. And when you have these feelings, ask yourself, is it bringing you closer closer to what you want in life? So our present thoughts will lead our lives in a particular direction. Are you moving in the right direction? So you have to analyze and deduce if your actions and thoughts are in sync with your life goals. And do what you can to readjust if that's not happening for you. And then people think they're unlovable. And they're like, what will it take for people to love me? Well, what if they don't? What if you find yourself surrounded with people who, who either don't love you or cannot or will not express their love for you? And you can't control them. So, I mean, it sounds cliche, but you have to love yourself. Now, sometimes people will say, well, you have to love yourself first in order to get or get or give love from others. And I don't think that's true because I know tons of people who do not love themselves and they are adored by many people. And then I know people who love themselves very much and are alone. Either way, it is vital that you love yourself, whether there's people there to love you or not. Love yourself. And... Those thoughts that come into your head that are worthless, let them go. It's kind of like sitting in a field and watching a butterfly. They kind of fly into your frame of vision. They flutter around, they get close to you, and they hover in the air, and then they just keep flying their way, and you just let it go. You notice it, you're watching it, but you let it go. And these thoughts, I think we talked about it last week, just because you have a really like, strong, heavy thought does not mean it's true. And those worthless feelings are not true and we have to practice just letting them go. Or if you find yourself clinging to a thought or to a person, um, you know, like if there's an unrequited love type situation, or somebody you really want to work with and you never get the chance, that can trap you into isolation, it can trap you into loneliness. If there's somebody who hurt you and you're obsessed with them saying that they're sorry, you still have to forgive them so that you can let yourself free. Otherwise you're a slave to them and waiting for them to come around and saying, you know what? I messed you up and I'm sorry. Because that day may never come. And even if it does, you may get even more angry and say, well, you don't deserve forgiveness. You're caught in a trap, if that's the way you're thinking. Forgive, <clears throat> forgive them and let it go. So... We need to understand that a life with high growth absolutely requires dealing with messy emotions because we are human and we are loaded with emotion. Whether we keep them hidden or whether we let them go, it gets messy. And those emotions can propel us to higher places unless we let them bury us. Now, Todd Cashton, who is a psychology professor at George Mason University, he wrote a book called The Upside of Your Dark Side. He said, there is a not-so-hidden prejudice against negative states. And the consequence of avoiding these states is that you inadvertently stunt your growth, maturity, adventure, and meaning and purpose in life. So here's the takeaway from that. This means that feeling worthless can be a catalyst to growth and not a roadblock. So if you find yourself feeling worthless, How are you going to use that to propel yourself to your next plateau, if you will, or your next hill? Growth is never linear. There's ups and downs. Also, those feelings of worthlessness usually are accompanied by an emotional storm that can lead us lacking confidence, um, lacking energy to do anything. Um, But remember, it is a storm, and storms come and go. So remember that it's temporary. Yeah, another storm might come along, but let the current storm pass. And don't worry about the next storm coming. Just enjoy the sun while it's out. I know it's hard to do, but this is what we need to practice to do. Times will come when we feel better. Times will come when we feel a little more worthy or a little more motivated and excited about life. Remember that any mentors we have or role models in life, they go through the same thing, but they don't wallow. They keep moving. Okay? Um, And when all of that has been done and you still don't feel better this is when you might need to get professional help and don't be afraid to do that it might be critical for you to get uh emotional or um, psychological help especially if you suffer major depression seeking a mental health professional or a counselor Doing that as soon as possible might just be the best thing you can do to realize that the feelings are not your fault and to recognize that your feelings are real, that they're there for a reason. And that reason might be to actually propel you forward and not hold you down. Okay, I'm going to end here with bedtime stories from the Acoustic Bookshelf. I'm going to read the short poem... Invictus by William Ernest Henley Out of the night that covers me Black as the pit from pole to pole I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul In the fell clutch of circumstance I have not winced How charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Until next week, arrivederci.